All right, so open your Bible into Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. We'll get there here in just a second. Matthew 16 and 21. Um, The title of my message this morning is Carnal Minds in a Spiritual Body. Carnal Minds in a Spiritual Body. The word carnal basically means worldly. Okay, to think about things from a, a worldly worldview, okay? Um, to think about something, the, the carnal mind is just how a natural human being, any human being would look at stuff. In fact, if, uh, some of Paul's writings, uh, he kind of relates the carnal mind to almost being that of like an animal, right? Um, and people, have you ever noticed that people are like animals at times, right? Um, it's just about what I can get for myself and not think about anybody else. That's the way animals operate. Um, they're hungry. They, they want to whet their own appetites. And so all, they're just thinking about meeting their own pleasures. And, and in many ways, people operate that same way. That's, that's kind of where a, a carnal mind comes from, thinking about self. Um, so a carnal mind in a spiritual body is a little bit of a, well, it is, it's not a little bit, it is an oxymoron, right? Uh, in that you and I, as Christians, when we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Jesus teaches us that when we call out to him, he said, I and my father will come, we'll make our abode in you. He talked about the spirit that said he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. Okay, so when Jesus walked on the earth, he was with his followers. And there was only so much he could convey to them and, and teach them because they still kind of had a carnal mind about stuff uh, because Jesus was with them. But the Bible says that Jesus said that uh, the spirit when he comes will abide within you, which means that as the spirit comes, the Holy Spirit comes to abide within us. He gives us the power to live a holy life, not a perfect life, but to live as the life as Jesus would. How many, I think any of us can agree that probably if as Christians, we should follow Christ's example. Is that fair? Uh, so we are, we have, uh, we're spiritual in that sense, but many times though we are spiritual, we have a tendency to think kind of carnal. Uh, now nobody else in the room may have any problem with this, but me. Uh, okay. But there's, there's times, I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself an overly spiritual person. I'm, I'm a pastor. Yes. And I preach the word of God. Yes. And I, I try to live by the spirit. I try to, you know, do what I should do. But there are just times in my life when maybe I, I think of something or I say something or I do something. And it's like, all of a sudden I'll have this thought and I'll think, you know, that doesn't sound much like Jesus, right? If you ever do this, is, I mean, is it just me? You guys are awesome, right? I mean, you guys got to figure it out. So yeah, I'm spiritual, in the sense that the Holy Spirit abides within me and I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm gonna to go to heaven when I die. I believe that. Not again, not because of my performance, not because I'm a pastor, but because of what Jesus did for me. Amen, because of God's grace. It's the only reason that I'm going to heaven. So yes, I'm spiritual, but I have a tendency to think about things with a carnal mind at times. And so I think that what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in all of our lives as Christians is to get us to think a little bit more spiritual, right? to get us to change a, a little bit here and there. The Bible, first of all, let me say this, and, and I said this a minute ago, you got, when you got saved, you experienced a change, and no doubt you did. Some things changed instantly, the way you looked at certain things. I, I know people, you know, Jeff has testified before that he hated his natural father, but after he got saved, instantly there was just kind of a, it wasn't necessarily an ooey-gooey love, but he had a, a sense of forgiveness and was able to contact his dad. That was something that happened instantly for him. 
And so we as Christians, when we get saved, some changes take place immediately. They just do. Uh, other changes take place gradually over time. The Bible says that we're changed from glory to glory. It's a, it's a daily process. So though we have a tendency sometimes to think about things from a very carnal aspect, I think that the Holy Spirit would like to gain a little bit more access in our mind. Amen? So uh, there is no greater... Let's talk about our mind for just a second. Anybody have, any, anybody have a hard time taming your mind at all? There is no greater battlefield. You think about World War II and the Civil War and every war that mankind has ever fought, that conflict that took place, that natural conflict that took place on literal ground and the blood that was shed and how gruesome they, they are, they don't, hold a, they don't hold a candle to the battle that takes place within our mind. That battle between the flesh and the spirit, and every one of us fights that. If somebody tries to be extra spiritual Christian and say, oh no, I don't battle that, they are lying or absolutely deceiving themselves at the very least. The Bible, in fact, John said this in, in, in first, I think it's first John one maybe or two, uh, basically says if a, man, if, if a man says he has no sin, he's a liar. Right, so we all, everybody, no matter how long we've lived for God, or no, no matter how long we've we've worked for God, we all have that same battle in our mind between the flesh and the spirit, between that that we know we should do and that that we want to do. Right, it is it is that that's a that's a battle that takes place. Those in the mind, there's those battle, there's those doubts that take place. You want to have faith and you want to believe. But yet in the back of your mind, sometimes you experience doubts. Uh, in, the, in your mind, sometimes is, is a breeding ground for lust of all kinds, whether it's sexual lust, lust for power, lust for money, lust, I mean, whatever. It's those lusts where though you want to do uh, what God wants you to do, and you want to be the type of person that God wants you to be, you want to think the way that God wants you to think, yet you find at times that you have lustful, lustful thoughts. It's, it's a battle, it's a war that's going on within your mind. In the mind, there's questions. What about this? What about this? See, faith, and there, there, you've heard me say this a lot of times. There are questions, or there are answers to a lot of our questions as it regards God and spiritual things. But not every question we'll have as a human being, human being is going to be answered, right? There's, there's all of these questions. Well, what about this? And what about that? And we, we seek these answers, but faith requires us to trust in God even when there's not answers. But in the mind, we're constantly seeking for answers, Right? In the mind, there's the memory of past failures. You know you're redeemed, and you know that Jesus loves you. You know that those sins are forgiven, but you're haunted by the past failures. In your mind, you think about things. Why did I do that? And because, you know, consequences still come when we, when we sin against God. He forgives us, but sometimes in many cases, we, we still pay the consequences for those things for years to come. And so when something pops, I know for me, when something pops up, and I know the only reason I'm having to deal with this right now is because of something I did, you know, some way I sinned against God years ago, it, you know, that day torments my mind. Man, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be going. So in the mind, that's all taking place. Not in the real world. Real world around me is fine. And, 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 and me, I don't know about you, you and I, we have a, good, we have a, a gift as humans that, that we paint on the face, right? Uh, we're, we're battling in our mind over these things, but we take our mask with a smiley face and we put it on so nobody sees that. But in the mind, we become tormented. The past that creeps up and haunts us. In the mind is where the resentment comes for past hurts, people that have failed us, people that have wronged us, and we remember those things. You know, we always hear people say, forgive and forget, right? 
and we, we can forgive. It, it, I mean, it's just humanly impossible to forget, right? I mean, when people say forgive and forget, ultimately what, we're, what, what they're saying is, you know, forgive people and move on and act as though it never happened. And, and that's what we should do. I mean, we should get to that point. But we can't physically forget what that person did. It's in our mind. It's in our memory bank. And so that battle in the mind when we want to hold that, that grudge and all of this is taking place, these these pursuit of selfish goals and all of these things this is going on within our head and we're trying to, to to do what is right and not let anybody see what's going on but it's it's like a whirlwind it's like a typhoon you've seen you've seen videos of a tornado where it maybe would rush through a town or a farm or something and pieces of barn and tractor and mrs gulch and everybody you know flying by and all of this stuff going on uh and that's the way your mind feels has anybody else ever felt like that before I hope so, because I hope I'm not all alone in this. And it's like, all of this stuff going on, and it's amazing to me, and, it becomes, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a ploy of the devil in, in the big scheme of things, because if he can keep our mind so distracted on all these things that I just got on talking about, then our mind is not able to find that peace with God. Our mind is not able to find that quiet place for, with God, because it's, it's, it's in the stillness of our minds where when we focus on the Lord that he's able to speak peace to us. To bring us to a point where, okay, though maybe I don't have a question, uh, answer to that question just yet, I have peace in knowing that God is faithful. M maybe I, I did fail, but thank God I'm redeemed, right? And the blood has wiped that all away. And I know that God's grace will, will give me the power to overcome even the consequences I'm having to face. You see, when we, we have that mind, uh, the scripture, I think Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That as Christians, we should... Allow the Holy Spirit to train us. I won't say train ourselves because we can't train ourselves. But allow the Holy Spirit access to train us to think as Christ would think. Amen? So in, in this scripture that I had you turn to in Matthew chapter 16, let's read there just a little bit. Um, now, and we, what we find here, these are, these are men that were handpicked by God. Handpicked by Jesus. You might say it like this. Of all the people on the earth at that time, they were probably the most spiritual. They were the disciples. They were the ones that Jesus chose. But what we find is that they thought carnally about a lot of things. And so let's look at this. Romans 16, or, or excuse me, Matthew 16, verse 21. Um, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised again. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus, I mean, Peter is rebuking Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Then this is the key right here. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that's what we're all guilty of in some form or fashion, right? So, so in, in essence, here's what, here's what happens. You know, Jesus, the, the disciples had been with Jesus for three years of ministry. When they got hungry and didn't have enough food, Jesus was the one that took out the bread and the fish and, and multiplied it and fed everybody, including them. When they were on a boat and a storm came and they feared that they were going to die, Jesus is the one that stood up on the boat and said, peace be still. The storm went away and they were, they saw, so they relied on Jesus for everything. He was their provision. He was their protector. And, and they felt safe with him. And so now all of a sudden he's dropping this bomb on them that he's going to be killed. 
He's going to be taken away from them and be killed. And so, see, they're still trying to wrap their... Jesus has been trying for three years to get them to think spiritually. All kinds of parables about seeds and, and you know, and virgins and uh, so on and so forth. All of these things, these parables that Jesus has given, trying to get them to think spiritually. Think the way God thinks about things. And they were getting there, but they, were, they struggled, just like we do. And so in this instance, you can understand how the disciples would be discouraged. What do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean you're leaving this? What do you mean you're going to be killed? I don't get You're the son of God. How can you be killed? And Jesus trying to con- con- show them that my whole purpose in coming was to be killed. My whole purpose in becoming human was to be killed. I've got to be killed. I've got to die on the cross in order for man, your sins and everybody else's sins to be forgiven. I have to die. And so he's trying to get them to think spiritually and they're not getting it. And so Peter stands up and he rebukes, he he gets on to Jesus. Jesus, I don't want to hear talk like this. Jesus, you're, you're wrong. How do you tell somebody that you saw walk on water that they're wrong about anything? What kind of mind is Peter thinking about in this moment? A carnal mind. He's thinking about it himself. He doesn't want to, and, and, and rightly so, he doesn't want to be without Jesus. Jesus, this is not, this can't happen. And Jesus looks at Peter and said, points at him, right, looks at him right in the eye and points at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, you, you think I say things to offend you at times, you know what I mean? It's, imagine me looking at you. And, now, obviously, Jesus didn't think that Peter was Satan, but who ultimately is behind the carnal mind? Satan, right? He's the one that causes the, the thoughts that, that, ca- that cause us to war against God's thoughts. And so ultimately when Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, he still loves Peter. He's not saying Peter's demon possessed or anything. He's just saying that ultimately, in a sense, you're kind of looking at things the way the devil looks at things, right? And that's when he said that, that one line. He said, you are setting your mind on the things of God, but not on, or excuse me, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus is just simply saying, Peter, you're looking at this whole situation from a man's perspective. You're looking at it from a carnal mind. But what's about to take place is a work of God. See, God's plan is that I die so that your sins and all the sins of the world could be forgiven and that one day this life can be over. You can die and be rid of this world of sin and have a new home with God in person, face to face. Now, I mean, I'm thankful for the spirit of God. I'm thankful that I know God through his word and through his spirit and that I can feel his presence at the time, the intimate times that I've had with God. I'm so thankful for that in this life. But folks, that's nothing to be compared with what it's gonna be like when I see God face to face. So all of this, it's a, it's a temporary thing. And Jesus is saying, look, you're looking at it from a temporary standpoint, but God's got a bigger plan in mind that you can escape this life and be with God in the next one for all eternity. We all have that same, just like Peter. We just, we want to see God's will accomplished. But sometimes we think that our way of doing it is better. Amen battling that carnal mind. And I think the challenge, or at least the, is, is for us to recognize that, okay? So now if you can flip over, hang, hang a right there and go to Romans chapter number eight. <clears throat> Romans chapter eight, verse five. It said, for those who live according to the flesh, 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That doesn't require an enormous amount of interpretation. If we're worldly, uh, we do worldly things. We set our mind on worldly things. That's what we're going to do. But if, we're, if we set our mind on godly things, ultimately we're, we're striving to train our mind to look to God towards everything, then we have a tendency to pursue. I mean, the mind is kind of the steering wheel, right? We're, wherever the steering wheel points, that's where you're going to go. And so the, that's where the mind, you know, if, if we think about things carnally and fleshly and worldly, that's ultimately the way our decisions are going to go, our actions, our life will go down that path. But if we, if we allow the Spirit to turn us to a spiritual path, that's the way we'll go. That's the way we'll pursue. And he goes on to say this, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The King James says it's an enemy. The carnal mind is an enemy against God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible to please God with a carnal fully, to be, to be carnal in the flesh. What pleases God is the spiritual mind. The one that says, God, not my will, but your will be done. The one that comes honest before God and says, God, I just... You know what, I think God would almost rather us come to him and say, God, I just don't see it your way. But nevertheless, I know you're right. Right? I don't see it your way at all, but I know you're right. So help me to see it your way. That kind of honesty before God, I think, is a good thing. Now, my purpose this morning isn't necessarily to... Uh, take every scenario and you know you could you could we could go around the room and you could give me your scenario okay so this is how I see this this is how I see this is this is this carnal is it spiritual that's why God gives us his word right the more of God's word we have in here in, in, within us the more we have a tendency to think about things from a spiritual perspective uh, a little bit further to the right there in Romans chapter 12 Paul says to them I, I appeal I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship, the King James says, which is your reasonable service. Do not, be trans, or do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Let me read that again. Do not be conformed to this world and its way of thinking, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. transformed. You know what that means? It means to change, right? So you're a big semi and he turns into a robot. That's what a transformer is. He, he's one thing, and then he becomes something else. He's, a, he's completely different. A, 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 a caterpillar is one thing, and then he go, goes in his cocoon, and what does he do? He transforms and becomes a, a butterfly. That's what we're, we're, in a, we're in a transformation process. He said, don't be conformed to the world. Don't look at things the way the rest of the world looks. Be transformed and look at things different. Now, you're not going to be able to win the world over and be friends with the world and, and the world around you sing praises when you disagree with them. Jesus said, look, guys, the world hates me. The world hated Jesus because he looked at things different. He thought about things differently. So the world hated him. He said, the world hates me, and therefore they're going to hate you. So, I mean, it's a simple question, really, and I have to remind myself of this at times. Do I want the world to hate me and God to like me? Or do I want the world to like me and God to, of course, he's not going to hate me, but do I want to be God's enemy? Do I want to be God's friend and the world's enemy? Or do I want to be the world's friend and God's enemy? Kind of a no-brainer, right? And so, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, what is the perfect will of God. You were able to, to discern that only through the spirit, not through the flesh. Remember what we said, the flesh cannot understand the things of God. It's a work of God's spirit. It's a miracle really that takes place as we seek God and we invite him in. It's always interesting to me, you know, when you read through the history of Israel, back through, you know, Exodus, of course, you know, coming from Abraham, but when Israel was really a nation and we begin to see their history, you know, in Exodus and, and uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, um, as, as we begin to see what God was trying to do in them, to raise them up to be a people that just trusted God. And they struggled with it. Oh man, did they ever struggle. Read, read those books. I'm you, you, you can, you read through there or read uh, like in Kings and Chronicles, you'll just be plumb fed up with the Israelites. It'd be like, they did that which was right in the sight of God. They did that which was wrong in the sight of God. They did that which was right in the sight of God. They did that which was wrong in the sight of God over and over. They just, they never could seem to get it right because they lived constantly by a carnal mind. So here's, here's the thing, the interesting thing. When, uh, you know, they had lived in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. And God comes along in a miraculous set of events and delivers them out of Egypt. And they travel all of this distance. God said, I'm going to take you out of a horrible land of slavery. And I'm going to give you a wonderful land of promise. I just got to get from point A to point B. You just got to, God's basically saying to the Israelites, you just got to trust me to get you from point A to point B. But they could never get outside their own head, right? They're, on this journey, there were some hardships. Can you imagine that? See, you and I are on a journey from point A to point B, I might add. From the moment you got saved, Jesus delivered you from the slavery of sin, amen? And point B, the promised land, when you get to glory, you'll never have another thing to worry about. It'll be great. But in between, there are some hardships to undergo, and it is a challenge. It, it's a lifetime of, of allowing God to, in order to think about those things from a spiritual perspective. And so they're going along. The thing about it was this. When you read about Israel, their bodies left Egypt, but their minds never did. I mean, they physically, their bodies, their cattle, their children, they physically picked everything up and left Egypt to go to the promised land. But as soon as they, you know, they got out there and they got into trouble and, and problems came, they didn't have enough food, they didn't feel like they had enough water, and, 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 you know, there would be different nations, armies that would come out against them. And every time things got uncomfortable, they always said the same thing. You know what it was? We'd have been better off to stay in Egypt. We ought to go back to Egypt. Slaves. Slaves. I'm, I'm not talking about slaves like what a lot of, you know, our American prisons are like these days. You know, I mean, we're talking, they lived at the end of an Egyptian whip every day. Making brick in the hot sun. Okay, they didn't have concrete. They didn't have, you know, they didn't call River Rock to come in and dump them a load of concrete so that they could make bricks. They had, they had to gather straw and all the supplies and make bricks out in the hot, you know, deserts. It was a miserable life that they lived in Egypt. But they were constantly saying, we ought to go back to Egypt. It would have been better if we'd have stayed in Egypt. You know why? Because in Egypt, they ate. They would say things like this. They're, they're hungry. Now, remember, God had provided for them food in a miraculous way. Every day, every single day while they're on their journey from point A to point B, they would wake up in the morning and there would literally be bread all over the ground. It was called manna. 
all over the ground. As the dew fell, God would miraculously provide bread on the ground. All they had to do was go out there and pick it up, take it back to their home and eat it. And, and they begin to say, they begin to get tired of that. They kind of get, I, I, I get it. You know, you, after you eat the same food every day, yeah, you probably start getting, they were like, man of cakes, you know, man of biscuits, uh, man of fritters. I don't know. You know, I mean, we, we've, God, we have fixed manna every way we know to fix it. We're sick of manna. They began to grow. We're sick of manna. And this is, what they, this is what they had the audacity to say to Moses and ultimately to God. Oh, back in Egypt, we remember. Where do you remember from? Your mind. We remember the cucumbers, the meats, the leeks. I have no idea what that is, but that sounds disgusting. <laughs> but you read it. That's what they said. We remember the leeks back in Egypt. Uh, it had some sort of plant, I think. I don't know. Brother Dale was here. He'd know what a leek is probably. To, uh, to me, that's, you're ready to call a plumber. You know what I mean? But uh, we remember an onion. an onion. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It's, a leek is an onion. So they had to be desperate to be wanting to eat onions. That's nasty. I'm pretty sure that God did not intend for onions to be consumed by the human race. I'm almost positive. Unless you deep fry them. Yeah, I know. I, I caught that. I knew you were speaking to me. He's wagging his finger. Um, they're nasty. It's like, it's, like, it's like licking somebody's armpit. I don't get it. I don't get it. They're nasty. Nasty. Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. We remember the cucumbers. They're going over their mind, the things that they ate, the things that they ate in Egypt. They're going over their mind. We remember all oh, those cucumbers, those onions, and the, the meat, the flesh pots, the meat and all that. We ate good in Egypt. So physically, yes, they had left Egypt. But in their minds, they, was, they were still there. They'd never left. You know, they, they get to a point where Moses sends a couple spies into this point B, into the promised land, Moses sends some spies in there. I want you to go in there and check out the land, bring a report back. Twelve guys go, report, they see the land, they come back. Ten out of those twelve guys come back with a bad report and said, oh, it is awesome. Really, it is. I mean, it's, you talk about promised land, it, it lives up to that. But there are people over there, armies, these people look like giants. There's a ton of them. We could never defeat these people. Ten out of twelve came back and said, we can't do this. And this is, what the, this is the conclusion that, that, that the leaders of Israel come to. Well, we need to get rid of Moses, elect us a new leader, and go back to Egypt. And they come all of that way. Literally, they're at the Jordan. They're looking over into the promised land. They've come all that way. And besides, what do they have to go back to? What did Egypt consist of at that point in time? Egypt had been decimated. It had been destroyed. There wasn't anything to go back. But in their mind... That which was horrible suddenly was great. And they wanted to go back. Let's get rid of Moses. You know, he's the one that talked us into this whole stupid journey anyway. Let's get rid of him. Get us a new leader and we'll go back. Their mind never left Egypt. Never bring themselves to just simply trust God to go forward. But it's, it's a picture. This is a picture of even us sometimes today. In, in our walk with God. We're, we're in our from point A to point B journey, and we're running across hardships. And they're just, there are times, you know, when maybe, maybe you, you might think, well, this isn't, this isn't worth it, or this isn't working, or, and sometimes, God forbid, we look back into the, uh, the life of sin that we live before we come to Jesus and begin to crave that again. That's a dangerous thing. It was, it was better. It was better before I started coming to church. It was better before I started serving the Lord. I didn't have as many problems and hardships, and you did. 
You had a lot of hardships back then too. You probably just drank your way through them maybe. I don't know. But, you had the, but the, the, the devil always makes us think that it was better back there in our mind. I think that God wants us not only physically, let me just say this, physically we're all here today. Most of us, I think. You're here physically. But mentally, like for, let me just use this as an example. I'm just kind of off the cuff here. Let, let's, let's use our worship uh, service here for just a minute. When, when the worship was going on. Okay, so physically you were here. But mentally were you here? Spiritually were you here? Were you, were you focusing on what the words of the songs were saying? About redemption and about God. Were you focused on how, God, how good God is to you? Was your mind in a place where you're like, God, I want to grow in you. I want to draw closer to you. Or was your mind somewhere else? And, and believe me, we all, again, we got the, we got the vortex, we got the whirlwind, I, I get it. But see, we're not any different than the Israelites were, right? So what, what God, I believe what God is trying to do in us is to get us to a place where not only we physically serve God, but we mentally do too. Amen? And we spiritually do that. We, we engage our mind to communicate with God and allow God to steer the wheel. Steer the wheel. See, carnal flesh, it's a, it's a battle, can't do both. God help me to be more spiritual. I want to be, amen? That's so everybody looks at me, and it's because spiritual isn't about what you look. I mean, Jesus, it's not about looks and what you wear, like Jeff said earlier. I'm, I'm liable to wear a pair of Bermuda shorts and a tank top next week. I don't know. How many of you would come back if I didn't? Now you all, you all think you're so holy, right? It's not, it makes no difference whatsoever what we wear. It's not about the, the outside. That Jesus, you know, getting onto the, uh, the Pharisees, he said, you think you're spiritual because of what you wear. They wore all the fancy priestly garments, you know, and all that. And they wanted everybody to see that. So spiritual is not about anything. Really, it has anything to do with the outside. When we're spiritual on the inside, our outside will take care of itself. It, our, spirit, our, our flesh will follow where the spirit leads us, amen? Come in your hunting clothes, I don't care. I just like people being here. It's not about that. It's not what makes us holy. It's not what makes us, it makes us spiritual. It's about how we look at things. It's how we see things. Um, I, I think I quoted this verse a minute ago, but let me read a little bit more in Philippians 2, 5 and 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Took upon himself the form of a servant. That, that's not in the cards as far as our carnal minds are concerned. The human being, remember what we said at the very beginning, to be carnal is to think about mostly who? Ourself. But if you're going to be a servant, who are you thinking about? somebody else and so you see how what a difference it is so that takes that takes a work of the spirit day by day for the lord to transform me transform me from being an egotistical selfish person to being a servant who thinks first of all more about god and more about other people than i do myself i'm not quite there yet i, I hope i'm making progress but that takes a work of the spirit to transform me from carnal into spiritual amen um i read a book by a man by the name of Craig, is it Groeschel? Groeschel? Uh, the name of the book is, uh, I'd seen this the other day, I happened to think about it and uh, kind of confirmed this message for me. The title of his book is called Christian Atheist, which is an oxymoron, right? Christian is a believer in God, especially in Christ, and an atheist is somebody who don't. A Christian Atheist. 
And then the subtitle, he basically says that people believe in God, but they live as though he doesn't exist. I, I could probably say I fit into that category at times. Have you? I believe in God. I believe he exists, but there's been times in my life I lived as though he didn't, right? I know that God is watching and sees everything I do. He hears everything I say, knows every thought that I think. I know that. Yet at times I say stuff I shouldn't say, things, things I shouldn't say. You know, does it make any sense? Why is that? It's that battle. It's that battle. But the more, the more I feel, and I guess this is the encouragement for you this morning, the more I, the more I give myself to Jesus, the more I seek him, the more I begin to realize I look at things differently. I think about things differently. I can read the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is like a mirror. When we read it, when we look into it, it shows us who we really are. We can have a really good high opinion of ourselves and consider ourselves to be spiritual because we go to church on Sunday, maybe. But then, but then we look into the word of God and it shows us something else. It's like, it, it, it'd, be like it'd be like this. It's like you could, you could get up in the morning, put on all the foo-foo, Spray on the cologne. I mean, comb your hair. You get the clothes here. And you go out of there thinking, man, I look good. I look good. You commit yourself. Man, I look good today. And everybody, you, you walk down the street and everybody's looking at you. And you go to work, everybody's looking at you. And you say, yeah, I'm looking good today. Everybody look, everybody's looking at me. Only to get to a mirror and look in and find out that there's a humongous pimple on your face that's that big around. That's what everybody was looking at. Right? But you didn't know it was there. You convinced yourself you were fine. You didn't know it was there until you looked in the mirror and the mirror exposed your blemish. It exposed the pimple. That's the way the word of God works. We can go through our life and think, I've got it down. I'm good enough. This is fine uh, the way I am. And, and yeah, I've got this Christian thing down only to look into the word of God and it's a mirror and it shows us ourself. Only to find out that maybe I've got a spiritual pimple. Maybe I, I don't treat people maybe really well the way I should. Maybe, maybe I doubt too much. Maybe I gripe and complain too much. I mean, those pimples show up. And the Spirit of God is the Dr. Pimple Popper, right? That's a disgusting show. It's disgusting. I do not watch this show. I saw one clip and I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. Yeah. Well, this, the Spirit of God is what, I mean, the Word of God is what shows us our failures and our, our blemishes. The Spirit of God is what heals it. The Spirit of God is what changes us, not on our, not on our own. You know, you think about, I've got to shut this down, but um, I, I think to myself, you know, as I'm, I've been praying about this message and, and, and preparing it, and I think about not only, you know, for not only you all, but for myself. And, and so the thought crossed my mind. I thought, you know, what sermon can I preach, really, to get people to stop thinking carnally and start thinking spiritual? What sermon can I possibly preach that would change that? And, and the answer to that question is really there's not one. There's not a sermon that... When you hear, I mean, you know, you can think about things, and I, I could name a world of topics, and I won't, I'm not going to go there, but I can name a world of topics that we see in the world around us today. Situations that, that the world has completely opened their arms and accepted. The Word of God says it's wrong, but they accept it. And, and how, how do we look at it, okay? Um, how, do we, how do I look at it? And you, you, know, might, you might have a different view. You love God, but you might have a different view. So I think, Lord, what can I really preach? What sermon, what words can I give 
that will get us all to stop thinking carnally and start thinking spiritually. And I couldn't think of the magic words that would do, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It starts, I believe that the, the message is important because it, here, here's, what I, here's the way I feel this morning about this sermon. I don't expect that this sermon will, will completely change you or me and the way we think, but here's how I look at it basically is that if I so much as plant a seed of thought in your mind, in my mind this morning, just a seed of thought that makes me ask the question, just maybe consider the possibility that just maybe I'm looking at something the wrong way, okay? Because we can argue and debate about particulars all day long. Except what if, what if everybody just stopped for one second, we, we kind of laid down our arms and we laid down our pride and we just for one second said, maybe I'm not looking at such and such correctly. Maybe I'm not looking at the decisions I'm making in my life. Maybe I'm not looking at the, 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 the direction, the, pa- the path of my life is going. Maybe I'm not looking at it in a spiritual manner. If I've, if I've done that, I've accomplished my purpose this morning, I feel like in this way. It, that seed that God can then give growth to, where, where he comes along, because here's, here's the bottom line. You know, I talk about how easy, how easy is it to change somebody's mind? Not easy. It's, it's difficult, right? I'm, I'm stubborn like that. Sometimes I have, I have my views and sometimes it's, it, you, it would be easier to change. It would be easier to change the flight pattern of a Boeing 747 with a leaf blower than it would be to change our mindset about certain things. But if we give the Holy Spirit access, we start it by one prayer. As David said in Psalms 51.10, God create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew my mind, God. Help me to, help me to look at things differently and betterly, Right? Let me look at things more godly because I know that maybe in some ways, Lord, I haven't necessarily seen things the way you did, that, that the Lord could look at me at times and justifiably say to me, get behind me, Satan. You are, you are embracing the things of man, not the things of God. Could it be that my mind has been influenced by secular society more than I realized? I'm telling you something, I have had this revelation about myself before. I'm not preaching to you anything. I haven't. There have just been times where I've stopped. And I think, wait a minute. It's like it's like the it's like this bullhorn going off in my ears. Like the, I, you know, I have this thought or, or say something. I think, you know, I think I'm getting a little bit. I'm being a little too influenced by the world around me. Let's be honest. The sinful the sinful world around us is sticky. The sinful world around us, if we're not careful, will get on us. We need to ask these questions to ourselves, man. You know, I. I just got through maybe half of this message, but I'm going to stop. Because no matter how spiritual of a mind we have, closer it gets to noon, our, our carnal mind starts taking over, right? I get it.